Welcome home to Cassidy. My name is Stephen Mitchell, and it is a great joy to be here. I am so excited that we get to continue in this message series, that we get to continue uh, serving God, that we get to continue being God's church and, and living up to the hope, to the promise that God has for each and every one of us. Uh, I, I am excited that you are here. If you're new here, I just wanted to say uh, a very special welcome to you. Whether you're joining us in person or online, we're just excited to have you join us. Thank you so much for spending some of your day with us in worship and in service to God. My hope is that in us, you will find a community of folks that realize we don't have it all together, but we know the one who, is, who does, and that's Jesus, and we want to be more like Jesus. So we want to, as a community, work together, journey together toward being more and more like Jesus. And so we want to invite you to be a part of that, to grow in relationship with God and relationship with others so that we can be the, the church that God is calling into the world. Hey, we've been on this <coughs> message series called uh, Hero Maker. The idea that we want to allow God to use us to lift others up so that together we can move beyond where we would go on our own, that together we can make a difference for the building of God's kingdom, that together we can empower others to take steps further than we could go so that we shift the focus off of ourselves and, and turn the focus to God so that we can turn the focus of God onto others so that they can be raised up, so that they can do things that we couldn't do on our own, that they can do things and go further than we ever could. And what does it look like for us to be hero makers? Uh, for me, one of the hero makers in my life is a guy named Kurt Sherman. Uh, Kurt was a district superintendent in the Gateway Central District. Uh, district superintendent is the, the individual in the United Methodist Church who is in charge of a certain district uh, and all of the churches, and he, gets, uh, he appoints pastors to different churches. And, and he came up to me when I was in the process. So I had started seminary, and I had, I had done some of the initial steps into the United Methodist Church to become a pastor. So I knew my ultimate goal was to be a pastor, but had, had not done any of it. And Kurt came uh, pretty early in this, in this process and said, hey, Steve, I see in you some potential. And I'd like to know if you have ever thought about, you know, being willing to take a, take a church, you know, would you pastor a church? If I had a church that came up, would you, would you pastor that? And I, I, I thought to myself, man, he sees something special in me. I thought to myself, man, that, that's incredible. Uh, and, and so I, I was flattered by it. And I responded, yeah, I would love to think about that because I knew ultimately that's the direction that I was going to go was into ministry. I felt God's call and, and God's pushing me in that direction. And I wanted to do that ultimately, but man, did I feel inadequate. And so what I didn't know is in that conversation, Kurt already knew the church that he was thinking of, already knew that there was a pastor that was leaving and retiring and, and he needed somebody to fill that role. And so I didn't know that just a month down the road, Kurt was going to call me up and be like, hey, let's go have lunch. Uh, and so I went and had lunch with Kurt and, and it was crazy. Kurt said, hey, we've got this little church. They've got like 18 people 
uh, and, and we would like you to go and be the pastor there. We, being he and the bishop, would like me to go and pastor there. Now, I was, I was laity at this point, so it was a lay pastorship. I, 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 like I said, had just started seminary, and I was like, um, gulp, I, I don't know that I can do that. And he said something to me. He said, look, whether it succeeds or fails, it's going to be fine. We just want you to go because we need somebody to be there. We want you to go, and if it succeeds, that's great, uh, because then these 18 people can be nourished and, and grow in relationship with God. And if it, if it falls apart and, and, and all the people leave, even if all the people leave, it's going to be okay because we can start a new church in that location, and, and it's going to be fine. And I, I know that sounds kind of terrible. It really does, uh, because in my head, I I heard, we want you to go and be a hospice pastor. And I was like, well, I have been called to be a pastor pastor, not a hospice pastor. Um, but what he was really doing was giving me permission to try. I had permission to be successful. I had permission to fail. I had permission to go and try. I grew that, that church I grew. The, the Lord God used me in that scenario, and we, we were together able to grow that church from 18 to about 70 people in, in just a few years. And it was, it was powerful for me because I got to see what giving permission or receiving permission really could do. Now, Kurt was just trying to fill a role, but he did it by trying to recognize that uh, when you see gifts in people, when you see uh, passion in people, sometimes that can be beneficial. And the truth is this, sometimes we need someone to give us permission to try. Sometimes we need someone who will take a chance on us. Sometimes we need someone who is crazy enough to say yes in a scenario that doesn't seem like anybody should say yes. And maybe you've experienced this. Maybe you've started a job and, and, and it was because they decided to take a chance on you. Maybe you started a hobby because somebody gave you permission to do something. Maybe, maybe it was a scenario where you felt inadequate in every way. And somebody said, I see in you the potential to be successful. And they gave you permission. Today we're going to look at a Bible story, one of the most famous stories in the Old Testament, uh, which is a story of giving permission, receiving permission, and, and what impact it had. We're, we're going to be talking about a kid. Uh, he's probably 13 to 15 years old when this happens, um, and is a guy named David. He was a shepherd. Uh, by trade. And, and he had older brothers that were uh, in his family line. He was the son of this guy named Jesse. And, and David, uh, the shepherd, is uh, responsible for the sheep in, in, in the fields at this point in time, while his brothers have gone off to be a part of the army for Israel. Israel had, uh, during, during this time, had a rivalry with another uh, group of folks called the Philistines. And, and they had come to, uh, to kind of taunt and wage war, trying to take some land back and forth, as was the, the, the way that they did things in, that, in the day. And so uh, the Philistine army had shown up on one side, and the Israelite army had shown up on the other side. And, and this huge dude named Goliath, 
Goliath um, is the champion of the Philistine army. It said he's about like nine feet tall, if we understand height and how things worked in, in the Bible. And uh, his weaponry and his armor were just heavy, heavy, heavy stuff. He was this massive guy. And, and so he's out there and he goes onto the field every morning and he taunts the Israelites and he taunts God. And he's like, hey, if any of you guys could come out here, just one of you comes out here, your champion, send them out. If they're able to kill me, we'll all be your slaves. He was that confident in himself. And so David's dad said, hey, David, I want you to take this food to your brothers uh, at the camp. Take this to them uh, so that they can have uh, something special, so that they know that we care about them, that we miss them here at home and, and to be nourished well. And, and so David shows up and, and David, David is offended by Goliath. You see, David has a passion for God. David believes that the God of Israel is a God of power and might. And, and so David is a little offended by Goliath and his taunts. And so he asks some of the folks that are around there, he's like, hey, what will the king give to the person who can slay Goliath? I, I, I think that David's trying to inspire others and maybe, maybe trying to, to, to build himself up because he, he's, he's asking what's going on and, and what will the king give? And, and his brother Eliab hears him talking with these folks. And it says this, when Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and, and, and asked him, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? Leave it to an older brother, right? To give you some taunts and some jabs while you're doing a favor for him. Hey, uh, why are you down here? Who did you leave the sheep with? You're supposed to be our younger brother shepherding the sheep that our family owns. I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. You came down to watch the battle. I know what's going on with you. Uh, now, what have I done, said David? Can't I even speak? I mean, my guess is this is before Eliab knows that David has brought food. And he, you know, he's just like, David, just be quiet. You don't know anything about what you're talking about. You're a shepherd. You know shepherding. We're out here. We are the real army. So quit, quit running your mouth. Quit asking questions. But David turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter. And the men answered him as before. They said, hey, David, if, if whoever kills Goliath, you know, the king will make him rich. The king will give him his daughter in marriage. And, and this is the picture uh, that David receives is that, that the king is, is trying really hard to get someone who will stand up and face Goliath. And everybody sees Goliath. They're looking down and they're like, no, we can't do this. And, and, and David, who burns with zeal for God, is passionate about serving God, goes up to the camp and sees this and starts asking questions. And then brothers, right? Uh, they start bringing him down and, 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 and hating on him and calling him out. You know, you're a little shepherd boy. Why don't you go back and tend the sheep instead of this? 
instead of asking questions because it's just going to get you into trouble. I love how Eliab responds to this. I know how conceited your heart is. I know, I know you can't do this. You're you are not even supposed to be here. You don't have any experience with that. You can't do anything. Just go home. Just go home. Maybe you've heard that in your life. Maybe you've experienced someone telling you something along that. You can't do that. You're too young. You're too inexperienced. You're too disorganized. You're too whatever it is. And all the while, all the while, Goliath is taunting the Israelites. And David gets more and more upset. And David's question, David's question makes it up the chain of command. What David said was overheard and reported to Saul, the king of Israel. And Saul sent for him. David's question was overheard by Saul and Saul sends for him. (laughs) And and in this moment, like, I, I wonder if David was like, hmm, Okay, well, I guess here we go. Uh, the king is send, sending for me. Uh, here I am, uh, a little shepherd kid, and now the king is sending for me. And I, I wonder if Eliab was, I, I think Eliab had like two emotions going on. David's brother, one was, oh, now you're going to get it. <laughs> you know, uh, oh, now you're going to get it. You are going to get what you deserve. And the other emotion was, oh, he's going to make us look bad in front of our king. This family of mine is going to be in, in, in shambles because we're going to look goofy to the king. And so either way, David is in danger. David is in trouble. David is on thin ice in Eliab's mind. And so David goes in front of Saul. And and here's here's where David's love of God and, and David's brashness and maybe what Eliab saw, his conceitedness, where he thought he could do things, was, was made visible. David said to Saul, to the king, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Nine foot tall giant. 13 to 15-year-old kid, David is addressing the king, and, 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 and Saul looks and sees a boy before him and, and doesn't understand why this kid is so passionate about this. Saul replied, you are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. You can't do it, David. It's just like your brother said. You can't do it. What are you, a bucko five soaking wet? I mean, who, who do you think you are that you would be so bold as to say you could do this? But David isn't having it. David trusts in God and believes that God is using him to do some cool stuff. And so David says this, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. 
Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. I love this image because David is like, hey, God has, has cared for me. And he can't come up with these bold claims and just be making it up, right? He has to have had these experiences. His brothers are in the camp. They would be like, no, no, that's not true. That, no, he really didn't uh, fight off a lion or a bear. No, no, no. See, none of that could be what's going on. David said, hey, I have fought for my family's uh, their property for the sheep. I, I fought lions and bears and it, it was God who rescued me. And it was God who will rescue me in the same way from this guy. And, and so Saul has a moment where he can say, yes, go and do it. Or no, this is ridiculous. You are a kid and you can't do it at all. And, and Saul responds, go and the Lord be with you. <laughs> go and the Lord be with you. And, and I read this in, in the modern light, and I'm like, where is his mother? Somebody should come and take charge of that boy and take him back home. Somebody should rescue him from his own inability to make good decisions. Um, and I wonder, I wonder truly about this moment, because Saul had been called by God uh, and had experienced God's presence in a unique way, had, had gone and prophesied and, and knew what it was to be anointed by the God Most High. And David shows up and he sees the zeal that maybe he used to have for God. He sees some of himself in this boy, a zeal for God, a passion for God, a love for God. And, and so Saul says, okay, okay. Giving permission can change everything. I mean, I don't know what was going on in Saul's mind. If Saul was like, hey, if I send this boy out there and he is murdered by this Philistine, it's going to shame the rest of the army. Or if maybe Paul or Paul, Saul was inspired by David's passion for God and saw that, that zeal, that passion for God would sustain him. Maybe, maybe Saul saw some of the Spirit of God anointing David and knew what the outcome would be. Either way, God used that moment and gave Saul the ability to say yes. And Saul gave permission to a child to go stand firm against a giant. And we refer to this as David and Goliath or David versus the giant. And David picked up three smooth stones and, and one of them he slung at, the, at Goliath and was able to win the battle. It wasn't, God, it wasn't David's own hand. He would never have taken that as I was victorious. He said, God did that through me. And it, you know what gets me is, is we hear this story and we're like, man, that's so great. That's so powerful that someone gave 
David permission to be successful. And, and that permission made him more successful than even Saul would want later in, in life. But in that moment, giving him permission was powerful and profound. And we can look at our lives and we can be like, man, I wish, I wish somebody would have stood up for me like that. I wish somebody would have given permission to me so that I could do something great, so that I could do something powerful, so that I could do something profound. And the truth is, you have been given that permission. In John's gospel, again, Jesus said, peace be with you as the Father, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Jesus gives us permission, permission to try, permission to live, permission to lead, permission to build his kingdom. And, and he doesn't say, I want you to memorize the instruction manual. I want you to understand exactly what you're getting into. No, he says, I, I just want to give you permission, permission to try, permission to build, permission to grow, permission to make a difference. Permission to start something new, to change the world in a new and radical way that even you don't have an understanding about because I will be with you and together we can make a difference. It's so funny uh, being a pastor. One of the things that I had to get used to, uh, at not, not typically here, but at previous churches I've been at, people would come up all the time and they would say, hey, I have a new ministry for you. It's like, like God has inspired them to come and tell me what I should be doing. Instead of, hey, I have a new ministry we should try, it's I have a new ministry for you. And I think this is born out of this misunderstanding of what the church is. I, I think for many of us, we view the church in this way, that it's, it's shaped like a triangle, that the church staff and, and the people that work at the church are, are up here, the, the really heavy volunteers are up here, and they make all the decisions, and that just filters down into the rest of the church, and, and the rest of the church just carries out the whim and will of those at the top of the church. And the truth is, and I really believe this, the truth is that the church is an upside-down triangle, not a right-side-up triangle, where the, the people are the ones that are inspired not by the pastor and not by the staff, but by the Spirit of God Himself. And the, the church is then empowered, given permission by the staff and the pastors, that they're there simply to help empower and elevate, come alongside, go together to make a difference together. And I, I believe that that's what we're called to do. And we do that by listening to the Spirit of God and saying, God, where are you, where are you sending me? So that we can come and have those conversations so that we can give permission to try, maybe try and fail, but to try nonetheless so that we can be God's church, growing in new and powerful and profound directions. One of the best ways that I've experienced this is through I see in you conversations. I think, I think Saul had an I see in you moment. I know Kurt had an I see in you moment when he said, I, I see somebody that could lead a church. 
I see somebody that could be a pastor. And David was given that same permission. I see somebody that could be victorious. And I want you to know that Christ is giving you that permission, saying, I see someone in you that could be my church. And so I want to come on alongside you and see in you whatever that potential is. And that is the conversations we can have with others. I see in you the opportunity, the, the, the potential, the, the possibility that you can do something greater, that you can do something more. Maybe it's, I see in you someone who is passionate about learning about God, and, and maybe you could share that learning with someone else. I see in you someone who is passionate about uh, social justice, wanting to feed the hungry and care for those who are downtrodden, and, and, and I can make a, a suggestion, hey, have you ever thought about going and partnering with least of these or care to learn to make a difference in our community. So many opportunities that we have to give permission to others. So who can you give permission to? That's, that's really the question we're asking is who can you give permission to? Who is it in your life that you can give permission to? Who is it in your community, in your family, in your friend group that you can give permission to, to try, to try and do something maybe that seems impossible to you, but if you say, hey, I'll come alongside you, and then how can you offer support to them? How can you support them in their decisions, in their attempts, in their trials? sometimes trying and failing, but still, how can you offer support? And finally, I I want you to empower and encourage others through I see in you conversations. What does it look like to say, hey, I want to come alongside you. I I see in you potential. I see in you promise. I see in you hope that maybe you can go further than I ever did. This is the idea of being a hero maker is to say, hey, I see in you so much more than you see in yourself. And sometimes it takes that outside perspective to offer, usher, and encourage. And so let's be hero makers in this way. Let's look for potential and encourage it. Come alongside it. Let's build God's kingdom right here in this moment and for all time in the name of Jesus Christ. Let's give permission to others so that together, together we can be the church. Let's pray. Holy one, you're so awesome. (laughs) You call us out of the darkness and into your marvelous light. And then you encourage us to go and be your church. How crazy is that? That you want us, this confused group of people that that are just trying to make ends meet, just trying to get through day by day, you call us to partner with you to build your kingdom for all eternity right here right now. And so God, I just pray that in this moment you would encourage and inspire us, that you would pour your Holy Spirit out upon us and let us know that we have your permission, permission to build your kingdom, permission to try, permission to to strive for the goal of, of heaven on earth, your will done now and always. God, help us to know by the power of your Holy Spirit that you are with us. And help us to strive and struggle for the building of your kingdom. 
now and always. We ask this together in the name of Jesus and all of us agreed and said, amen.